Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now look, y'all, it is crazy outside. There's all kinds of stuff going on. If you are working a nine to five, you're probably stressed about keeping your nine to five. If you don't have a nine to five, you're probably in the middle of trying to get a new nine to five. Or maybe you made the crazy leap to be a full-time entrepreneur like me. You got the world on fire all around you in the middle of election year. A lot of stuff going on. It's just, it's absolutely nuts, right? It's nuts outside. And I could definitely see, I'll, let's speak for me. Look, for me, I know I be going to therapy on a regular basis. I believe in therapy. All right. Hashtag uh, black folks need therapy. Hashtag we all need therapy. We all need it. And for me, I can say if it wasn't for therapy being like an ongoing maintenance tool in my toolkit to help me stay level and help me realize that I'm okay. Everything around me is okay. Here's what I can control. That has been critical for me. And I would hope that if you have thought about therapy and if, or if you haven't thought about therapy, shoot, let's say you're like, like, I ain't got time for therapy. I got, I'm too busy trying to make sure that these plates keep on spinning. I hope that you check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's completely convenient, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, keyword licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is incredible. It's very challenging to move around and find the right therapist for you. The fact that BetterHelp is providing that as just part of your experience is incredible. So find your support, get the help you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash corp today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash corp, C-O-R-P. What's up, y'all? It's Shanisha from the Living Corporate Podcast, and we're back for Real Talk Tuesdays. I'm super excited for the conversation that we're going to have today. I think it's so relevant to many of us, our day-to-day experiences. This conversation is based around anti-racist conversations, right? And our guest is going to give us deep insight about anti-racist conversations. How can we approach these conversations? How can we navigate these conversations, whether that's something that you're experiencing personally or in the workplace? And how do we as black and brown people or in the black and brown community navigate these conversations with our white colleagues? So please be sure, take a listen. You guys know I love Real Talk Tuesdays and I'm excited for y'all to come back and join me again. So let's listen up and dive in Real Talk Tuesdays.
This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, you can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. All right, so what's up, y'all? It's Shanisha from Living Corporate. We're back today for another Real Talk Tuesdays, and we have an exceptional guest joining us today. This conversation is, for some, maybe a bit of a sensitive topic, and for others, you can take a deep dive in getting to learn more in a deep a deep depth understanding, right? So today we're having a conversation based around anti-racist conversations. And what better guest to have here today than who I'm going to introduce to you guys. Our guest is a clinical psychologist and certified, you know I love that word, certified center for nonviolent communication trainer. She brings decades of service experience to her work interrupting explicit, explicitly and implicitly oppressive attitudes and culture norms. She has worked, consulted, and provided training across the U.S. with businesses, nonprofits, government organizations wanting to move towards equitable and diverse workplace cultures, as well as internationally in over 10 countries with individuals and groups committed to social change. She also works as a psychologist in San Francisco, serving the homeless and disenfranchised, mentally ill population. She is the author of How to Have Anti-Racist Conversations, Embracing Our Full Humanity to Challenge White Supremacy, and the co-author with Sarah Payton of the companion text, The Anti-Racist Heart, a self-compassion and activism handbook. Please welcome none other than the Dr. May. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to the Living Corporate Podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm delighted to be here. I'm doing great. Wonderful. So I'm super excited to have you today. And I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because, I mean, we could talk about this for days and days, right? Like, it can go on. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> let's just dive right into it because I'm super excited if you guys can't tell. So could you share with us more about how to have anti-racist conversations, embracing our full humanity to challenge white supremacy? Where did this piece of work come from? How did this come about? Mm-hmm. What in- sparked 
this whole idea? Yeah, thank you for that question, Shanisha. So, like you mentioned, I've been doing a lot of work training people, working with folks who want to have these dialogues. And one of the things that kept coming up was that even when people had the skills, they didn't quite know how to do these conversations. They would have a whole bunch of personal stuff come up, all of their own inner blocks, or they would start to like maybe they would start to say something, and then they would collapse into either guilt or rage, like depending on who the person was, right? And so people just needed a little bit more guidance on, like, how do we set ourselves up to have these conversations successfully? And then once we've done that, what are the steps? What do those conversations need to look like? And I've integrated in the book、um, three different areas of thought. So one of them is it's really grounded in Dr. Martin Luther King's work on beloved community as kind of our foundational approach for what is our approach for wanting to have these community community. Conversations. What are we trying to create? And then the other piece is bringing in some bits of nonviolent communication to help us have those conversations successfully. And then, of course, making sure that we do it with an anti-racist lens. I think that's just a beautiful combination to have the two of an anti-racist conversation and nonviolent communication. As you as you said earlier, right? When the conversation starts or comes about, we collapse into the guilt, the anger, the rage. So take on、mm-hmm. everything personal versus just having the conversation,、mm-hmm. right? So we can have the dialogue and really break through some barriers. So those are excellent,、mm-hmm. excellent points. So to follow up with that, where did anti-racist conversations start with you?、Mm-hmm. Good question. So I'm an immigrant. I came to the United States when I was seven. And one of the challenges of coming to the United States from a predominantly black country was that I didn't quite understand, especially as a seven-year-old, I didn't understand what race meant in the United States. So, unfortunately, I ended up internalizing a lot of those negative attitudes that was directed against people like me. And part of my journey has been first learning how to free myself from those beliefs to recognize when they had gotten a hold of me. And then to start to help other people learn, like, hey, you know what? We need to be able to face the fact that we've all internalized white supremacy culture and beliefs because we grew up in this country, and we can change. We're not like locked into this belief system. And so, helping people learn how to explore themselves and to have these conversations with other people to create change. So for me, it started with. I was being impacted by all of these beliefs, didn't even recognize them, and was still, in some ways, putting them out there unconsciously. Well, that's that's deep. Putting them out there、mm-hmm. <laughs> without even knowing that you're doing that, right? We internalize a lot of those conversations,、uh, microaggressions, remarks, or just growing up and kind of seeing how to navigate in these spaces. So for many of us, that's where the anger comes in, the rage comes in. We start to have these、mm-hmm. conversations and advocating for ourselves or others, whether that's you know personally or in the workplace. So how do we as Black and Brown men And women, just a black and brown community. How do we approach anti-racist conversations? Because most times, in some of our households, in, in black and brown households,、mm-hmm. that is not a priority or on the checklist, right? On how to have、mm-hmm. anti-racist conversations. How do you conduct yourself? You know, where do these conversations begin and end? So, if you can answer that for me, like, how do we just start to have or approach those conversations?、Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So there are a couple of things I think we need to think about. And so the first piece I already mentioned was that inner work piece. And I mentioned like I'm really, really wanting to embody Dr. King's beloved community. And that for me is the place where I start. An analogy that I often use is like thinking about family. I don't know what your family is like, but you know, I've got family members that I love and family members that we have conflict with. And even when my family member does something I don't like, there's never a thought in my head, like I'm never going to talk to this person again, right? That I'm going to discard them. They're done. I'm never going to see them again. And that's in some ways the stance that I want us to start taking with these kinds of conversations. When people say or do things that I don't like, I need to be able to set those boundaries the same that I would with family. Like that is not okay. That is not working for me. Here's how it's impacting me. But I still need to do it from a place that we are all still part of this family. We all still need to be able to live together and work together because I can't thrive if you're not thriving. And so the first place is doing that inner work to really see that other person's humanity. So how do we how do we do that inner work? Mm-hmm. How how do we do that inner work? Where does that start for us? For me, that's where nonviolent communication really comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard for me, like, you know, I've had, and I'm sure you have also, like, lots of people have said some pretty horrendous things. There was a great article that came out in the New Yorker, I think just a couple of days ago. And it was an article, a cartoon that was drawn by this young black man at Berkeley, at UC Berkeley, you know, one of the top schools in the country. And a teacher had accused him of plagiarizing. And it was just like, I mean, how many of us have had that experience, right? And her reason was like, you're a young black person. You can't possibly use language like this or work like this. Okay. I see by the look on your face, you <laughs> know that experience. <laughs> so a lot. <laughs> yes. Right. And so here's the challenge with this, right? I had the same experience myself and I wrote about it in the book. And at the time when it happened to me, I started to internalize that, right? Like there was something wrong with me. Like somehow I didn't let this person see that, no, I am smart enough to do this. I am like that person who could write this paper. And so I first internalized it. I stopped writing. I wasn't able to have those conversations. And as you could imagine, that didn't serve me. I literally stopped writing. It's all of the things that I was doing. It's like, I couldn't write my dissertation. I had the best advisor who was like, you need to get this done. But I was so afraid of being judged. And then I realized like, wait, this was not about me. That was that person's racism. So I started hating that person. And every time I started hating that person, it meant that I was still in that place of fear. Because if that person can look at me with this racist lens, it means anybody could, and I would still be in danger of being judged if I wrote something. So I didn't find my freedom. I wasn't able to transform how I was relating to these kinds of events until I started being curious about not forgiving the person, not taking him off the hook, but saying, why would he even do that? Why would he even like doubt my abilities or have that question? And finding my place of compassion into almost like his limited experience and understanding of what Black people were capable of made me realize that not everyone is going to be in that same situation. Not everyone is going to be bringing that lens to looking at my work and the things that I do. And that's part of what I invite people to do is to like understand what might be the motivations for that person. Again, not to forgive them, but to free ourselves, to tell ourselves That is one person acting from this one motivation. It is not everyone in the world. 
Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. Oh, that's, that's, that's real. And I think just like you said, it's not so much for them, it's for you, right? Because you have to be able to navigate in these spaces with the multitude of people. You can't continue to look at this individual and just cast a broad net and say, this is everyone mm-hmm. from your experience mm-hmm. this one person. So I, I think that's very valuable. And I also you know, think about most times, many of us have these interactions on the day-to-day at work, right? And mm-hmm. to be able to experience mm-hmm. these different individuals and their perspective and their lens that they may see us through, how can organizations really embrace these type of conversations? We know that when George Floyd happened, you know, many organizations mm-hmm. begin to say, hey, we're going to really put forth a, a major goal and pillar for equity, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're going to really embrace equity and we're going to really be all about inclusivity mm-hmm. and that may have went on for maybe a year or it's like super hot and that mm-hmm. was quiet for many right so it's like how, yeah. how do organizations really embrace these conversations like real conversations and that mm-hmm. may not even be real right to say like we're gonna have a real conversation about anti-racism mm-hmm. and not violent communication but if you could share a little bit light of like how can organizations incorporate mm-hmm. Conversations. Yeah, I think you actually put your finger on it when you said, you know, something happened and all these organizations were like, oh, let's have these conversations. Let's talk about this piece. And then a year later, it's done. And it's the way that organizations need to start is recognizing that this is not a response to like a one-time thing that happens, but this needs to be part of our practice all the time. The groundwork needs to be there. It needs to be laid so that when these things happen, we already have a place for these conversations to start. And I think too many organizations don't even think about it until something happens externally that makes them think that this is a thing that we need to be doing right now, or this is a thing that's going to make us look good. So my first tip is, you know, start asking right now, what is it that our people need? What is it that everyone in the global majority in our organization needs in order to thrive? What are the conversations they need to, for us to be having in order for us to thrive? So have your plan. But then on top of that, it's recognizing that we need to have different conversations. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I've been called into an organization because they want me to do a training. And all the time, people from the global majority are like, I don't want to do this. You know, I've been in all of these conversations. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to feel exposed. Everyone's going to be like, oh, tell us your experience and nothing's going to happen. Right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And 
so I often like whenever I do a training, one of the things I always do is I say, if you're from the global majority and you would like to be in groups only with other people from the global majority, we will set that up. You will never have to be in a conversation with other white folks if you don't want to be, because that's a level of exposure and kind of like white gaze that you might not feel comfortable with, that you might not feel safe with. And that's one of the things. It's like thinking about the structure of how we have these conversations. Create spaces for white people to do the work that they need to do in order to make our spaces inclusive and welcoming, and for global majority folks to be able to have the conversations and figure out what they're needing so that those spaces need to be separate sometimes and then have people come together. So there are a lot of times when I see all of these whole group sessions that don't create the spaces for people to both be authentic and don't realize how much risk we're asking for the global majority folks in these conversations that I think organizations can do a little bit better with. I definitely think so too. And, I, and I'm not sure exactly where within those organizations we can say that that starts, right? So most times when mm-hmm. we have these type of inclusivity meetings or trainings, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it is very awkward for the majority Right. When we think about Mm -hmm. the minorities that are there and it's like, okay, now I have to share my experience about what this individual may have said in response about my hair, my name, my progressions. And Mm -hmm. we're sharing these stories. And it's that small moment where there could be a little bit of compassion or empathy for your situation. It's like, no, I'm not sharing this experience with you for you to feel sad or sorry for me. I'm sharing this experience to make you aware. Mm -hmm. And there's that small Mm -hmm. moment of awakening, right? So once we're done with the training, everything is back to normal. And then those are like really tough conversations to have amongst everyone. Mm -hmm. And the work is not necessarily being done. We have that short period of dialogue, but then after that, it all, again, off the part mm-hmm. until there's a moment where we have to react or respond to something that may be happening within the media or something extreme that has happened internally. So I think that's mm-hmm. can I build on that? Yes. Yeah, I want to piggyback on that because there's something around like people not even having the skills to have these conversations, right? So if I'm in a group and I'm telling you about a microaggression that happened and you've never done your own work, then you're listening to me and chances are what I'm going to get back is either your sadness about my experience, which is going to land as pity, or I'm going to get back your defensiveness. Like, how did you know that happened? How did you know that's what they meant, right? Mm -hmm. And so... I almost want before people even start to have these conversations that we've done some basic training on, you know, first, are you even aware of the um, experiences of many different people in this organization so that you're not coming in with this questioning defensive stance? And then do you know what to do with your own activation when it comes up and take responsibility for that rather than pushing it out at me so that I'm now responsible for helping you feel safe and better? Oh, that's a good, a good point, especially. So let me build upon that piece. Now mm-hmm. I am to empathize and sympathize and comfort you for my experience. <laughs> now mm-hmm. I have to educate you on my experience and help you feel better. And I think that's where it all usually just goes left, right? It just goes left from that point mm-hmm. where you said where there may be a time of training where we need to do the work separately. I think that definitely needs to happen because from that point, we're all together. Now when we leave, I'm educating you. You may be receiving messages. People want to contact you about what your experience was and, you know, make them feel better. It's like, okay, again, I was sharing this for your education. How can we fix this? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think uh, another important piece you touched on was the training part, right? And not having Mm -hmm. the skills. Nonviolent communication 
how does it come into play when having anti-racist conversations with our white colleagues? Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of things nonviolent communication really helps me. And when I train folks in having these conversations, first, I want to be super clear when I'm going into that conversation, what my needs are. A lot of times, like I might be activated and it's just like I jump into that conversation, but I don't actually know what I'm wanting back. I don't know, like, am I going into this conversation because I'm wanting to be known, like I'm raising awareness about my experience? Am I going into this conversation because I'm wanting some understanding about where you were coming from? So maybe I can dismantle like whatever now judgments I'm holding of you, right? Am I going into this conversation because I'm hoping for some concrete action about what we're going to do next so this doesn't happen to me or someone else like me in the future? Mm -hmm. So being really clear, like nonviolent communication is partly a practice of understanding what are my needs? What is it that I'm wanting in this moment? And then also it lets me be curious about what that other person's needs are. So when that person is having their own reaction, I'm no longer taking it like this is about me. I'm like, okay, Whatever's going on for them right now is really about their needs and what's coming up for them. And I can be curious about their needs and I can also choose to say, you know what, right in this moment, and here's an example, I'm trying to tell you about my experience and you keep asking me to explain and explain and explain. In that moment, you're meeting your needs for education. That's not where I was coming from. I just wanted to share this and make a specific request about what you can do differently. And so in that moment, I might say, look, I feel like I've already said as much as I want to say in this moment. And at this moment, I am now supporting your quest for information rather than where I came into this conversation, which was to come up with a plan on what we can do differently. So why don't we take a break? You can find a different colleague who can help you understand more about the pieces you're not clear about, because I feel exhausted in having this conversation. And once you have that understanding, let's come back together so that we're both aligned with this need for coming up with a concrete plan, and then we can have that conversation. So it helps me like kind of hold that really clear sense of, what is it that I'm going for and how do I navigate what's happening in this moment? I think that's, um, those are very, very good points. Um, one, how to navigate in this moment. Like you said, being able to take control of what you're looking for, what your needs are, controlling the emotional rage or whatever that is that you may be experiencing mm -hmm. on the inside. And I think both parties being very clear on what is it that they have expectation for in this conversation, right? Like what is the goal? Mm -hmm. Why are we having this conversation? What are you looking to achieve? What am I looking to achieve in this? And just being clear on that. And again, saying all that you need to say and having that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because after this point, like you said, if I've shared everything, now I'm comforting you. Hey, uh, mm -hmm. can you talk to me about your experience when this happened to you? Or could you tell me a little bit more about this experience? And it is very exhausting because now I'm already mm -hmm. exhausted showing up as a black female, right? I'm already exhausted doing that every day. Now I'm going to show up and be your supporter also through my experiences that you may have even done to me. So it's a, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I think the nonviolent communication piece is like the perfect blend. Like how do we, how do we leverage Nonviolent. Yeah. So there are two things that come to mind. The first is, again, kind of going back to that inner work, right? That I always tell people, decide for yourself if you want to be in this conversation at all. And we don't always acknowledge this, but there is a risk 
to showing up and having these conversations. People have gotten fired. People have gotten blackballed, right? It's like all of a sudden, it's like I'm trying to speak truth and raise awareness, and I'm all of a sudden that person. And so I tell everyone, you don't have to have these conversations if it doesn't feel like it's going to support you. You can actually say, hold on, you know, am I willing to take the chance that my boss is going to respond to me in a certain way? Am I going to take the chance that I'm going to be denied a certain promotion? And sometimes the answer is yes, absolutely. I want to take this chance because this is not okay. And sometimes it's no, I need to keep food on the table for my family. And so that first piece around leveraging nonviolent communication is understanding what are the costs, what are the different needs I'm trying to meet, and what are the risks that I'm willing to bear. And then giving myself empathy about that. If I decide that, you know what, I'm not going to say anything to this person who's just made this horrendous conversation because I need to keep this job and I don't feel safe, then I also start to reach out. Like, where can I get some support from other people? Where can I find like-minded people who can help hold all of the emotion that's coming up with me? And that's one of the ways that I leverage nonviolent communication. And then the other way is again, when I start to have those conversations, to be really mindful about what is my purpose? What am I trying to accomplish with this conversation? And in nonviolent communication, there are like four steps that we talk about. Being really clear on my observation, what is it that the person said or did that I want to bring to their intent to their attention? How do I feel about it? <laughs> what are the needs? What am I trying to accomplish? And then what is my very specific actionable request? It needs to be a request that when I make it, I get a response from you that lets me know if you do this thing, my needs are going to be met or not met. So nonviolent communication helps me have clarity about those steps so I can actually um, have some progress when I'm having these conversations. So those four steps, could you give an example of mm -hmm. what, what could that sound like using those four steps? Mm -hmm. What would that sound like in mm -hmm. the conversation? Yeah. So an example then, let's take, you know, I referenced that New Yorker article with the professor, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So let's say that I was a colleague in that professor's department, right? And I heard about just what went down with the student. And I'm a little bit upset about what happened. So I might start off with observations, you know, hey, Professor X, when you actually said to another Black man that you were not trusting that a person like him can use language like this, right? So observation, I'm really clear. That person knows exactly what I'm talking about mm -hmm. now. I felt pretty frustrated and angry, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm wanting all of our students to feel welcomed and to trust that they are seen for their full capacity when they go through our program. So I'm making my needs really clear. And so the request I have for you is whenever you are doubting, like I could also say something like, I'm not trusting your capacity to really discern where our students are coming from and what they're bringing to the table. So my request is before you approach another student of color about issues like this, can you come check in with me or other faculty to see if we share your concerns about the thing that you're talking about? So there's another check before that student is impacted by what just went down. So those would be me going through all those four steps, being really clear about the observation, how I felt about it, what it is that I'm wanting, everyone to feel welcomed and to be seen for their capacity and what I'd like you to do about it. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I think those examples are definitely like when you mentioned about the training that many of the organizations are doing, having the nonviolent and those four mm -hmm. steps implemented, I think could mm -hmm. definitely impact some portion of change, right? Like have an impact on some portion mm -hmm. of change when we're having these conversations or the dialogues with each other. Um, so we 
dug into a lot. And like, I could really keep going into this because this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> about nonviolent communication, it, it stretches across a spectrum of everything, right? Mm-hmm. From work, Mm-hmm. Anti-racist conversations to something personal. I mean, you can utilize nonviolent communication. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole array. I do have, I know, one of the books for nonviolent communication. This is really, really good. Um, so oh, neat. I want to make sure that we're able to capture like any key takeaways. Mm-hmm. So some of the key takeaways is to first connect with what is your intention here? What are you trying to create? What's your big vision, right? Hopefully it's beloved community. And then what's important to you in this moment? What are you valuing? What are your needs? Do you want to take the risk in speaking up to try to get your needs met? And then if you do, make it really clear what's the observation, how do you feel about it, what is it you're wanting, and what is it you'd like the person to do? And then if you decide you don't want to take that risk, give yourself permission not to do that. Don't beat yourself up. Don't say I'm letting my people down and then get some support. (laughs) That's that's good. That's good. Because I I think I definitely have been challenged in those situations, right? When you lead those type of calls, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for the other, you know, 10% of black and brown Mm -hmm. organization uh, to have this moment Mm -hmm. to make impact, to be able to set the ball forward, move the ball forward for change. And it's definitely a risk. Mm-hmm. This risk, so you have to always be super mindful of just how far you can go without the right. target on your back, right? And it's like, okay, we're doing this supposed to do this for the good of everyone. Why not be in target? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all, it's all- and also to kind of remind ourselves mm-hmm. we're not the only one. Right. We can do our part and then somebody else can start doing that lifting when we need to set it down for a bit. Right. right? That's it. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, Thank you so much for being with us today. I know that you have a wonderful team that has helped put things in place. So are there any shout outs? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got to say my co-author, Sarah Payton, who is part of like what made me decide to write this book. As I mentioned already, I had my own challenges about writing and she's like, write this book. And to all the people all over the years who've done that. And then I've got to shout out to three more people, Ranji, Ranjana Ariaratnam, David Johnson and Ale Delgado, who have been holding my hands, like all of that insecurity that we have around showing up, putting ourselves out there. They have been like reading multiple drafts, making sure this book gets out there. Lots of feedback. And then I also want to remind folks, like you can learn more about the books and about me if you go to the website, antiracistconversations.com. Wonderful. So make sure you go to their website to learn more about Dr. Manning. Make sure that you purchase how to have anti-racist conversations, embracing our full humanity to challenge white supremacy, and also to check out the co-author book that she has with Sarah Payton for Anti-Racist Heart, for The Anti-Racist Heart, a self-compassion and activism handbook. Dr. Manny, it's been a pleasure to have you today, and that's our show. So guys, please thank you so much. And join, you know, follow her on her website, take a look at her website, social media platforms. Uh, thank you again for joining us today on the Living Corporate Podcast. Be sure again, like I said, to follow Dr. Manning, check her out on her pod, excuse me, check her out on her website and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corp, our Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod and subscribe to our newsletter through the Living Corporate website. If you have questions you'd like us to answer me on the show, which I would love to Make sure you email us at the Living Corporate Podcast at gmail.com. This has been Shanisha, and you have been listening to Dr. Manning, Anti Racist Conversations. Mm. Make sure you utilize those nonviolent communication skills. Peace.
All right, y'all. So that conversation with Dr. Manning was so powerful and so in-depth. I hope that you guys were able to take something from the conversation, again, on how to approach your colleagues about these conversations, how not to exhaust yourself in these conversations, and how to forgive yourself if this conversation just may not be a conversation you want to engage in, right? But then also to make sure that you're utilizing those four skills of nonviolent communication. Please be sure to visit Dr. Manning at her website, purchase the books. Let's make sure that we're being able to navigate these conversations knowing when and how to right so again this has been Shanisha for Real Talk Tuesdays peace Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC our logo was designed by David Dawkins our theme music was produced by Ken Brown additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.